joy to the world the lord is come let earth receive her king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing celebrating they've been celebrating for thousands of years and we are celebrating the birth of our savior let's give him all praise he is worthy deserves all glory come on 
Christmas season is always hand in hand with the word beauty. Whether it's dreaming of a white Christmas that's not going to come this year. Or maybe it's decorating the perfect tree with just the right beautiful ornaments or the lights. Maybe it's the perfect family photo that you put on the Christmas card that inevitably will end up in the trash at the end of January. For me, it's putting up Christmas lights on the house, making sure they're perfectly separated and lined up and you know, the little icicle ones so then my neighbors will know that I tried and I have Christmas spirit. We all have these things that we associate with beauty, but we can never overlook the most beautiful thing and that is God stepping down from glory and sending Jesus. Fully man, fully God to make a way for you and for me. And I love that through his birth, we are given a chance to be born again because his birth led to a life of love, of hope. It led to a death that you and I deserved, a death that would give us eternal reconciliation with the Father through his resurrection, us getting new resurrected life, restoration. That is the reason for Christmas. So we get to take communion every week here at Northside. We get to take the bread and the juice and remember the body and the blood that was shed for us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, please, let's let, let, don't let this moment pass. Let's thank God for the beauty that is Jesus. Thank him for stepping down from glory for you and for me and calling us children of God. Let's take communion together.
Father, we sit in awe and wonder this morning. We thank you so much for the new life that you sent through Jesus. May we walk in his love. May we, may we sit in his truth this morning. May we not overlook the beauty in this moment. We thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. We give you all praise and all glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Christmas, everyone. My name's Sam. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you're here with us celebrating Christmas. Here at Northside, our mission is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ, and I want to share a story with you of what embracing this mission can look like. So I've been working at Chick-fil-A for about three years, and about a year and a half later, he started working there, and we just became best buds. Our small group at The Rising is really like intertwined. I, I love those guys. Ever since I got baptized, I've been wanting to like be a leader here and volunteer more at church, but I felt like I didn't know enough about God in the Bible that if a kid asked me a question, I wouldn't know how to answer it. But I talked to Joel about it, our small group leader, and he was like, not everyone knows every single answer about the Bible. If you don't feel confident, you can always read the Bible, look, try to find an answer, and you can always tell the kids another time. I talked to my small group leader, and. He actually told me that I should talk to Caleb, which is the leader here in the kids' side. And I talked to Caleb, and he got me and Colin here, and we started volunteering with the third through fifth graders. Now all these kids are getting baptized and volunteering and showing up at church. And to think that I might have some influence on that is tremendously just out of this world to me. If it weren't for my small group leaders, I would have never started volunteering over at kids' side, Club 252. I would have never been here without you know, my small group leaders encouraging me. The fact that they're open anytime, I can just either shoot them a text or come and talk to them. It's just awesome that they are willing to give up their time, just like we are willing to give up our time for these kids. They're amazing to talk to and just be there for us. This is an awesome example of some of our high school leaders helping connect their students and then those students helping to connect kids in our Kidside ministry to Jesus. And as our ushers come forward to collect the tithes and offerings, I want to thank you for making this an incredibly generous year because your giving makes stories like this and our mission possible. We know that we have a lot of new folks with us during a service like this, and we want to let you know that you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved here at Northside. We would love the chance to help you get connected here. When you walked in, you were handed a bulletin, and at the bottom of that is a tear-off connect card. If you fill that out, you can drop it in one of the boxes at the exit as you leave, and we will reach out to follow up with you. Or we would love the chance to meet you today in person. If you head out into the atrium and to the right, you will see our living room where staff and volunteers would love to meet you, give you some more information on Northside and how you can be a part of it. And if it's your first time here, they have a free gift for you. And if you don't have a church home, we would love to have you come back in the new year. Our normal weekend service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8.15, 9.45, and 11.30. We'll be kicking off the new year with a three-week series called Join God, where we'll be taking a look at what Northside is all about as we look at how we can join God through Christ, community, and our calling. So we hope to see you back here soon. And just like we offer every week, if you need prayer, just stay in your seat after the service and someone from our Connect team will come by, hear what you're going through, and pray with you.
Well, we've been going through a series for the past several weeks called Thrill of Hope, where we have looked at how important hope is in our lives and to our faith. And today, we will be looking at how the hope that God gives can bring us peace. Merry Christmas, guys. We're so glad you're here. Merry Christmas, Northside family. So good to see you this morning. And would you welcome and celebrate everybody in our video venue real quick. We know it's a packed house. A Merry Christmas to you guys. Love that you've made time to be a part of this. and want to welcome you too. If you're out of town here with some family, if this is your first time here, just want to say thank you for making time for this. We are honored that you would be here to worship our Savior Jesus. And uh, that's why we call this series The Thrill of Hope, uh, because we have this hope that has come into the world. And as Christians and followers of Jesus, you know, we don't walk around going, man, I hope life gets better. I hope maybe something will work out and we'll see in 2020 will be a big year. Hopefully it's better. But as Christians and followers of Jesus, we have a confidence hope. There's a confident expectation that Christ is with us and that is what Christmas is all about. That we're not trying to work our way towards God but God has come to us and it changes everything and this is the thrill of hope and I know for some of us even as Christians when when Christmas time comes sometimes we don't always have this thrill and uh, but I got to be honest I don't know I'm like man I was reflecting on this I'm like every Christmas I feel so hopeful and, and, and why is it I began to reflect and I, I just love Christmas lights I love everything about that you know Sam was talking a little bit about it and, uh, and I began to realize here's why because this is what my neighbor's house looks like this is literally right across the street from me and, uh, dude, the Griswolds are my neighbor. And uh, this is uh, literally every night right now, if I'm driving home late from church, I drive by, I'm like, it's Christmas. You know, this morning I'm driving, I'm preaching the 815, I left, you know, the house about 7 a.m. It's dark out, you know. Look out there. It's Christmas, man. And I got all excited. I got the thrill of hope. And, and here's why I need thrill, because this is what my Christmas lights look like. That's the thrill of nope right there, right? There is no hope. Daddy, we want Christmas lights. And you can see, like, I got angles on my roof. So I'm like, Daddy doesn't want a broken arm this Christmas. And uh, so here, you know, just kind of throw them out there. And, and that's, what it, that's where we're at. But, and, and I began to think about, too, you know, even as a kid, when I was four or five years old, I would just sit in my living room. And my parents would go to bed, and I'd just sit there, and I'd just stare at the Christmas tree. And I don't know, anybody do that as a kid, man, you, you just love, you just sat there. And, and I began to realize this, and the more I studied the scripture, and the more I went, here's the reason why we even do Christmas lights, anything, is because a great light has come into our darkness. This is why at the end of our service, we're going to do, you guys got candles on your seats, we're going to do a candlelight moment. And it is going to be the best part of the service because you are going to sit back and you're going to sing and you're going to realize that there is a light that has come into our darkness. 
This is why lights at Christmas, even if you're not a believer, this is why this whole theme, this is why the world celebrates this, even if they don't realize it, is because there is a light, there is a hope that has come into our darkest moment. Matter of fact, yesterday, I didn't realize this till this morning, and uh, this would have gone so much better at last night's sermon, but yesterday was literally the darkest day of the year, winter solace. And I went, this is why this whole Advent season of Christmas and lights are going, because Israel, in the time before Jesus arrived, all of God's people were waiting for a light. They were waiting for hope. They were waiting. They were saying, God, we are in a dark place. And I got to be honest with this many people in the room, I got to just kind of assume here, there's probably a lot of darkness that you brought into this place, feeling of hopelessness. Matter of fact, sometimes we think about, when we think about this Christmas story, and I began to reread through it, I'm like, man, I bet all these people, when the angels visited, I bet they were overjoyed, and everybody was all excited, and all right, Lord. And matter of fact, I found, too, that when I looked at the scripture, every single, there's seven key players in this nativity story of Christ coming into the world, that every single person actually didn't respond with the thrill of hope when Christ came. Matter of fact, even with Mary, when the angel visited Mary and said, listen, here's what's going to happen. You, you know, you are going to be with child and it is going to be Christ the Savior. And it says, the scripture literally says this, that Mary was greatly troubled when she heard this. She's going, whoa, wait. What do you mean? And this is how she responded to the hope that came into the world. It wasn't with this thrill. It was with the question, how will this be? How's this going to be? Some of you are sitting here right now asking that, going, Nate, I hear you talking about the thrill of hope. How is this hope actually going to impact me? Matter of fact, this has been my problem right now as I read scripture. I got a seven, four, and two-year-old, so Disney Plus has come in and invaded our home. I mean, blessed our home. And, uh, you know, and, and literally my kiddos, they love their favorite character right now. I got a picture of him as Forky, right, from Toy Story, right? And, and this is why I need your prayers, right? I read this passage and, and literally Mary, when she said, how would this be? Forky came into my mind and this is all I heard. What? No. What? No. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, right? You know, get these voices out of my head. But Mary's response wasn't immediately this thrill of hope. Mary's response was this, how is this going to be? I mean, how is this hope going to actually help me? This doesn't make sense. The angel went to Joseph, who was pledged, who was engaged to Mary. The angel, hey, Joseph, here's the good news, right? Christ is going to be born to Mary, you know, and and here's what I want you to do. Don't divorce her. Don't leave her. I want you to stay as her husband. It's not going to be your child, but I want you to still be the father. And and Joseph in that moment's like, this sounds like a bad episode of Maury Povich, you know. And Joseph, you are not the father, right? And, and, And literally, he had planned, the scripture says, he went, I'm out. I'm out. There's no thrill here. This is an embarrassment. This is going to embarrass my family. If I stay committed to Mary, this is, I'm supposed to stay committed, but it's not going to be my kid. That doesn't sound like a lot of thrill. And the angel said this to him. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It said, Mary's going to be with child and you're going to give him the name Jesus. And here's why. Because he will save his people from their sins. This is the hope of the world. And you and I need to understand that sometimes because of our sinfulness, when the hope comes to us, it won't sound all that thrilling at the very beginning. 
It won't sound that exciting, but the more we dive into this, the more that we have a Savior who's come into the world to save us from our sins, and the more we begin to search the Scriptures, and the more we begin to open our heart and minds, the more we begin to see God move in our life, that we have a God who's coming after us. As a matter of fact, the shepherds, when the angels go and they visit the shepherds, the Scripture says that they were terrified. That's why the angels had to say, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, because they were freaking out. They weren't thrilled. They're going, what is going on? And except this, it said after they had heard from the angels, it said that shepherds then were amazed. And they went and they began to share Jesus with everybody. Which here's the amazement is this. The shepherds were the lowest rung on the ladder in that culture. There wasn't a job below being a shepherd, which this is the good news of Christmas. You may be unemployed or you may feel like you are not at your dream job. And the good news is this. You have the Savior of the world with you right where you are. You have the Savior of the world with you. He's not waiting for you to hit all of your goals and all of your accomplishments for him to say, good job, well done. He's saying, I am with you, and this is the good job that Christ has come to save you from your sins. He's saying, don't worry, I am here. There's a man named Simeon that met Jesus in the temple on the eighth day when Mary and Joseph dedicated Jesus. And God had made a promise to Simeon because he was almost dead. He had a few days left to, to live. And he said, listen, Simeon, here's the good news. Before you die, you are going to see the Savior of the world, which means this. It doesn't matter how old you are, God is for you. Sometimes people say, I'm past my prime. God looks at you and you go, no, you're mine. You're not past your prime. You're mine, and I've come to save you, and I've come to lead you, and I've come to do a great work in your life. There was a woman named Anna who had been praying. She was a widow woman in the temple, and God had said, you are going to see the Savior. She had been a, a widow for a number of years, and there being a widow praying, it said that she gave thanks when she saw Jesus, which Jesus means this to her, that even in your grief, even if you've lost a loved one this year, I am here with you. This is the thrill of hope, that when you have lost all hope in your life, the thrill of hope has come into this world to be with you. Not only that, we see the magi, the wise men, they're on this mission. They have all sorts of stuff in their life, but they know this in their own soul, that all of their stuff can't satisfy their soul. And so they're on a mission. They're going, we've seen the star and our souls desire more than the stuff that we have. We want to find this savior. And the scripture says this, when the wise men met Jesus, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed, and here's what's going to happen in a couple of days. For some of you, you have your Christmas list, and you're not going to get what you want on your list, or you are going to get what you want on your list. And the good news is this. Christmas is more than just getting what you want. It's getting what you need. It's getting what you need. It's getting what you and I need in our souls. The only thing is this. There's someone that oftentimes we don't put in the nativity story because we want Christmas to be happy, don't we? We're like, man, let's just bake some cookies, man. Let's put up some lights. Let's watch some Christmas movie and eat, you know, drink eggnog. If anybody even drinks that stuff, right, you'll buy it. We're not sure if anybody even drinks it. And we go, hey, that's what Christmas is, except there was someone there in Christmas story that a lot of times we don't want to talk about, and his name is King Herod. And here was the deal. The wise men came to King Herod. They said, hey, we want to find this king. We've heard there's a king. We see this star. We have come to worship the king of the Jews. Well, at that time, Herod was the king of the Jews. And Herod was threatened by this. And he said, well, tell me more about this king because I would love to go worship him. He said, the, the wise men said, well, there's this baby. He's supposed to be king of the Jews. We're here to worship. And Herod said this to the wise men. He said, when you find him, you tell me where he is because I want to go worship him. I want to go worship him. Well, after the wise men met Jesus, 
the angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, don't go back to Herod, you go another way home. And the scripture says this, that when Herod found that out, when he found he was outwitted by the Magi, the scripture literally says this, he was furious. He's furious. And if you know anything about the Christmas story, he was so mad and so ticked off by this, he had every boy in Bethlehem, two years old and under, murdered. That doesn't fit real nice with our Christmas story, right? We're like, let's go back to the carols, Nate. Here's what we got to understand with this whole Christmas story. If we're going to understand the thrill of hope, it's this. And you may want to write this down. The hope of Jesus is the greatest thrill of your life. And he is also the greatest threat to your life. He is the greatest thrill. And Jesus will be the greatest threat to your life. Now, some of you are going, he's a threat. What, Jesus is coming to beat me up? What God do you worship, right? You know, he's going to, no, 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 here's the deal. Jesus didn't come to beat you up. Jesus came to build us up. The only thing is this, you will worship what you trust the most in your life. And here's the deal. Here's the threat about Jesus. When Jesus came into the world, he came into this world as the king, which means this, if he's king, what does that make you and I? Not the king, right? And that doesn't sit well, because let's be honest, I like holding the remote control, right? And I like driving, right? I drive, right? No, Jesus, you can sit, you know, that's why we say bumper stickers. Jesus is my co-pilot, which is like key word for I'm still driving, right? I acknowledge Jesus. Jesus, you can be in the car with me, but I'm driving. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, he's like, no, I'm sorry, man, I'm the king of the world. Matter of fact, 2020, we hear the timeline, all this other stuff. Can I be honest with you? We get our time because Jesus marked time. Time is literally marked by Jesus. His arrival marks time. His arrival changed everything. And if we can be honest, deep down in our souls, man, to have a boss or to have authority over us, sometimes in our heart and our life, we struggle with having authority over us in our life. And Herod didn't know how to deal with it and didn't want to trust Jesus, so... He kills a bunch of kids. Maybe not the best plan in life. See, when Jesus comes in, here's the thing. He can either be seen as a threat to you or he can be seen as the thrill of your life. Here's the thrill that Jesus brings in is this. He has come to save us from our sins. The Old Testament says this, that he is the morning star. He is the light in the darkness. If anybody is here today going, I need a fresh start. I need a new day. That's Jesus. He's come to give you a new day. He's the one who gives us a new name. He's the one who calls us a child of God. When we give our lives to the Lord, when we trust God, he changes everything in our life. This is why Emmanuel means this, God with us. Jesus didn't come to beat you up. He came to build you up. He came to build your life up. He's going, you don't have to make yourself. You don't have to create yourself. You just have to let me come into your life, and I will make you into something new. I will lead you into a new life. I will be your king who, check this out, who will actually serve you. What king does that? There's only one king who does that. Every other king. This is why Jesus isn't accepted in a bunch of countries in the world, because Jesus is threatening to the rest of the world, because here's what happens. Then if you follow him, that means Jesus is your king. And Jesus says, no, I've come to give you hope. 
Northside, I just want to share one verse with you today. I know we got kiddos in here, so I want to be laser focused. I began to look at the scriptures because I want you to experience the thrill of hope. I want you to know the hope that's come for you. And so I just want to read one verse for you today. Some of you are going, thank God. I know, right? Yeah, God is good, right? And, and this is what I want to do. I just want to look at one verse today. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And it lays out what this hope is in the best way that I found in Scripture. And listen what it says about this hope that comes after us. This is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Christ has come to build you up. He's here to build your life. He's here to bring your life back together. That's why if you came in here today going, man, I'm not okay. Hey, that's okay because your Savior has come to save you from your sins. He's come to build you up, and he's come to build you up with all joy and all peace. And that word joy literally means the God of the second chance. That this hope fills our emptiness. This hope comes in and it builds us up. He's going, you don't have to go searching. I've come to bring it to you. See, this is the cool thing about Jesus. In your broken state, he's not asking you to work your way back to him. He's saying this, I've come to work my way to you. Matter of fact, Psalm 51 is a record of King David. King David was called by God to be a godly man, to follow God with all of his life, and he did, except here's the only thing. He began to quit trusting God for a season of his life. Some of us, we've been there. There's been seasons in our life where we've acknowledged God, but we haven't always trust God, and we haven't always followed God. And here's what happened with David. David just started doing whatever he wanted. Matter of fact, he had an affair with Bathsheba because he was the king. Instead of trusting the king, he wanted to take his own kingship and take his own lead, has an affair, covers it up, has Bathsheba's husband murdered. Not a good move. Not the way God's called us to live. That's not loving our neighbor. Begins to hide it and finally God convicts him of his sin. And listen what, God, listen what David writes in Psalm 51 verse 12. He says this, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The joy of your salvation. See, you don't have to go looking for your joy. Your joy has come to you. This is the thrill of hope. That this joy is what builds us up. It is the joy of God's salvation. Because here's the deal. Sin always steals our joy. It always steals our joy. Or it'll steal the joy from other people. This is why Jesus says in John chapter 10, 10, he says, Satan has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life. And then he says this, that you may have life to the full. That you may have life the way that God created it. Now the question is, is that how you and I view Jesus? Or do we view Jesus as, no, Jesus came so we won't have any more fun. Right? He's come to make sure I don't mess up, and he's going to tell God every time I mess up. That's all. No, no, no. Jesus has come that you may have life. This is why he says, not only does he say, I want you to know God, and he's come to fill you with joy. He's come to fill you with peace. And peace doesn't mean the absence of problems in your life. Peace means this, that you have the flourishing presence of God in your life. That word peace in the Hebrew in the Old Testament means shalom. It means peace with yourself, peace with God, peace with others, peace with all of creation. Right now, 
I think our nation needs a little bit of peace, amen? We're like, whoa, whoa. And see, here's the thing. Peace won't come by any other way than our Savior Jesus. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace. And then it says this, as you trust in him. God wants to fill your life with joy and peace. But here's the deal. Hope, trust in the faithfulness of God. It trusts in the faithfulness of God. See, oftentimes that's our tension. Well, you and I this Christmas, I mean, you're here. I love it. But will you trust the faithfulness of God to save you from your sins? Every single person that we talked about in this story ended up having to make a decision to either trust God or not. Mary, this was her response after the angel said this. Listen to Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary trusted God. Joseph didn't divorce Mary. He risked being a social outcast. He risked his family rejecting him for being a follower of God, but he trusted the Father. The shepherds, they trusted this identity in Christ more than their work to define them. The Magi didn't return to Herod because they were overjoyed, and as soon as they meet Jesus, they started trusting and obeying Jesus. Simeon and Anna didn't give up on God's promise to them, but they trusted God all of their years, all of their life, and they see God in the flesh. And then we come to Herod, and what Herod does is this. He has an opportunity, as all of us do, to trust God, and he doesn't take it. See, you and I will always worship what we trust the most in our life. This is the beauty of Christmas. Jesus is saying, I've come that you can trust me because I want to build you up. I want to change your life. Well, what happens when we begin to trust him? It's what Paul says. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And here's why. So that you may overflow with hope. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, here's the beauty of hope. This is the thrill of hope. Hope overflows our lives. This is the goodness of God that God continues to pour out his hope. It's not just one weekend a year, Christmas weekend or Easter weekend. It is all the time. And then he says this, this hope overflows our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. That literally when Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose again and he went to heaven, he sends his Holy Spirit. And what happens is this, when you begin to trust Jesus, you get the presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit in your life. And it is the power of God, it is the hope of God that leads you, that guides you. You don't have to make up your life, you don't have to create your life, you just get to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, it says this, that the Holy Spirit is who conceived Christ in Mary. It was the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to be sinless, to conquer temptation in the cross. It was the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. It's the Holy Spirit who overflows in our lives today when we face trials and hardship and to follow Jesus. And I began to think about what's a good picture of the power of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that came to my mind, it, it was uh, Old Faithful in Yellowstone. Anybody ever been and seen Old Faithful, right? A few of you there. This is, I haven't been there, but man, this picture is incredible of Old Faithful. Every 90 minutes, 4,000 to 8,000 gallons of boiling water goes soaring out of Old Faithful. 
Matter of fact, they found this in 1870. And can you imagine what that conversation was like? Right, pioneers walking through. What do you want to do today? I don't know, man. What do you want to do? <laughs> right, be like, take me Jesus, right? You know, oh my gosh. You know, just kind of walking on this. And this is what's funny. I was starting to study a little bit of the stories. Actually, these early pioneers would do their laundry in Old Faithful. Literally, right? In between it kind of, you know, soaring water, they would go in and they would stuff their shirts in there. And then boiling water would just shoot their shirts out of there, knock all the dirt off. And I'm like, that's genius. But who drew the short straw on that, right? You put it in there. No, you put it in there, right? And here's the beauty of Old Faithful. It's a power beyond anything that we've created. That's the awe and the power. The awe and the power of the Holy Spirit coming into your life and my life is this. It's able to do more than you and I can do by ourselves. It is the overflow, the overflow of our Heavenly Father and the power and the presence of Jesus in our life. See, this is the good news that our Savior didn't come just 2,020 years ago. The good news is our Savior is with us right now. That Christmas is going on not every 90 minutes, but every moment in our life. Church family, I got to be honest with you. 2019, been a pastor for 13 years. 2019 has been by far the hardest year for me to be a pastor. And here's why. Because we have experienced loss as a church family like we never have before. And here's the deal at Christmas. God's not asking you to act like you have it together. All God's doing is this. He's asking you to let his light and his power in to your darkest moments. And what we've seen this year is in our darkness is the overflow of hope. And right now, we're going to hear a story of someone this year who has continued to let hope overflow in the midst of her darkest moments. Take a listen to the story of hope. I first met Andrew through a friend. He added me on Facebook and we started chatting and I told him I was coming to Terre Haute and if we wanted to hang out and he said, yeah. So he took me on an unofficial date and I came home to my friend's apartment and I said, yep, I'm gonna marry that man. His focus is just always God. And it was just intriguing to me because I had never had that in my life with previous boyfriends or anything like that. It wasn't just a relationship with me. It was more like, how can I make God the focus of that relationship? The time we got married to the time we had children was about three years. Andrew started his aviation journey at Indiana State and there came a point where he was like, okay, my dream was to always fly for UPS. And so he said, I have to look for a job that's gonna give me the hours that I need to get to where I wanna be. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so he started looking and he started flying out at Clark County. So my nephew had a birthday party. It was such a far drive and I knew Andrew had to work and I'm like, oh, but I figured I'd go and support him. And Andrew came up to me and he was like, how about I ask my boss if you could fly with us? Then I started thinking, oh, we have the dogs and all these things. I'll just take the drive and I'll pick you up. So I get to Midway and I get a text message that had both of us on there. 
It was a friend of ours from our small group, and he was like, there was a plane crash in Memphis. He's on his way from southern Indiana to Chicago. I'm like, Memphis, Tennessee is not the, that direction. Um, and so he just kind of paused, and he's like, no, um, there's a Memphis, Indiana. I instantly knew what was happening. A plane crash in southern Indiana that killed three people. Tomorrow, the investigation into what went wrong will kick into high gear. At that time, I just kept questioning God. I'm like, this is not real. Surely he's fine. And this is all a dream, but it wasn't. The very next morning, I said, Mom, I need to go home and I need to go to church. And I thought, like, why do I want to go to church? My heart desired to go to church, but my mind was telling me, like, God, let this happen. God, let this happen. I sought counseling right away. I, I was like, give me all the things because I don't know what to do. Every time I went into counseling, I was like, today I could have throat punched God. If he was standing in front of me, I could have throat punched him. I think I just felt the overwhelming love of God through his people here on earth. And that is what kind of got me to the point of where I realized, oh, okay, I'm not alone. I thought I knew who God was before, Andrew. And not that I'm grateful for what happened, but I do think that it has molded a deeper and more loving connection with Jesus. The week of the memorial, I spent some time thinking about the year and what I would say. And one of the things that I felt so passionate about is that in grief, there is joy and there is peace and there is hope if you know where to go. And that's through God. Like for me, that is absolutely through God. It's a lifelong journey that I'm gonna be going through and that my children are gonna be going through. But I think knowing that God is the center and the focus of it is how we're going to get through it even though many times I questioned God and I thought it'd be easier to just quit this relationship because you took a precious thing from our life and now we have to figure this life out here on earth by ourselves. But he just wraps his arms and he's like, we're in this together and I promise that you will see hope through that. We're not gonna be cured from it, but it is comforting knowing that there is hope in those hard times.
the power of our risen Savior. And uh, just a little bit of an insight on Erica's story. This is what's phenomenal. Is uh, this last year she's joined our grief share group here on Monday night. I want to invite you if you've gone through a loss in the new year to join that on Monday night. She's gone through it a couple times now. And here's what God's doing in her life. Uh, God is working and overflowing her life with hope in the midst of hurt and loss. And now this year she is being trained actually to be one of our leaders in Grief Share to help walk with others who have lost loved ones. And uh, this is just the grace and the mercy of God. And right now, as we sing Silent Night, as we light our candles, I just want to invite you right now to begin to think about where is it that you need the light to come into your darkness? Because he's a God of peace. He's a God of joy. He's a God of love. He's a God of hope. And no matter what you're going through, he's with us. And he is the king of this world. So right now, let's offer our hearts and our minds and our lives to him as we sing this song together. That was the word from the angel, that Christ our Savior is here. This is good news of great joy for all people. And I just want to give a moment right now, we've done this all weekend, that if you've never trusted Jesus to be your peace, to be your joy, to be your grace, that what he did on the cross saves you from your sins, you don't have to create yourself, you simply let him make you new. If you've never done that, and in this moment right now, you're going, I need that peace. I need that, his light in my darkness. If that's you, would you just raise your candle right now? Just as a sign to say, God, I need your peace. 
I would say let's clap for them, but can we cheer for them? All right, can we cheer for them right now? Way to go, yeah. May ever seeing candles being just raised all over. His peace is for you. His peace is for you. He knows your story. He knows your darkness. And he's come to bring you light. This is the beauty of the church. This is the power of his light together because he is the one who holds us together. We want to follow up with you. If you raised your candle on your bulletin, just write on the bottom, your name info on the back, say, I'm ready to follow Jesus on the way out. Put that in the bucket. We're going to follow up with you. God bless you on this. Let's sing this last part together as a church family. pray together. Father, you are faithful and you are true in every season and every moment. And so, Father, we say thank you for this light of Jesus that you brought in. Thank you for, Father, these new creations in you who have decided to trust you today. God, we thank you that you are with us. Father, we ask for your protection. We ask that, Lord, you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to follow you all the days of our life. God, you are the goodness and you are the God that we need. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. You can blow your candle out gently, all right? Merry Christmas. We'll see you guys next weekend.